0: You're done with your Oreo? Yeah, <laughs> done with my Oreo.
1: Okay, good. Um, do you really know what happened? The brother did. The brother, that's what I thought too! I mean, that seems like kind of obvious. Hey, do you want to talk weird. about death? Yeah. This I mean, a murdery
0: thingy thingy thingy.
1: Hey everybody, it's Mario. I just wanted to tell you quickly that I may, uh, made a little goof and uh, said the wrong name of the author in the book that I mentioned as one of my main sources. I put a little insert in me saying it, but it sounds weird, so just so you know, that's why that sounds weird. Enjoy the episode. I already started it. Oh. <laughs> <gasps> hey. Hi. Hi.
2: Hey. Today's been a long day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get started. I'm I know, excited. Right? Okay,
1: cool. So, I uh, welcome to Mystery Murdery welcome Thingy.
2: Welcome to Mystery Murdery Thingy. My I'm, name is Chloe.
1: My name is Mario.
2: That's Mario. Okay. I'm Chloe.
1: This is going to be a whiz bang kind of episode. We're whiz getting bang. It done. We've been getting a lot of stuff done today, moving stuff. This is
2: the last thing.
1: Chloe's leaving in a few hours. So we got to get this done. I'm okay.
2: Coming home. Coming home. Leaving on Let an Amtrak world. train. <laughs>
1: um okay so who's gonna go first i think you should go first okay i'll go first all right okay so i am going to talk about as we mentioned last episode about right (laughs) and i decided not to edit it out (laughs) so i'm going to talk about the moon how did the moon come to be uh this our 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 friendly gray friend in the sky the
2: moon is scary is it what's your moon sign
1: i don't know what that means
2: (laughs) you have a sun sign and a moon sign oh um, I know your sun sign is it's probably Scorpio. it's probably
1: like the peace sign is that one keep going okay <laughs> I saw the sun so people have been obviously looking up at the moon contemplating what the hell is this thing how did it come to be right it's ever since there have been people right for two million years or more but um, you know in modern times we've kind of like solved a lot of the mysteries of the moon right it's not made of cheese Weird, right?
2: What would it be like to be an early human? Do you have any, like, stories of, like, (laughs) what they thought the moon was?
1: Um, well, what, I don't, I don't necessarily have too much of that, but what I would say, one of my main sources is a book called The Book of the Moon by Maggie Adderan Pocock. And she does. She, she did, like, research. One of her interests is, uh, like, ancient astronomy. So I'd say if if you want more info on that, look up, yeah, that book um but what i'm going to talk about is more kind of like the the modern idea of what what, how the moon came to be so like i said we've figured out a lot of the mysteries about like the moon and stuff right but not everything by by like any means um and the the exact origin of the moon is like still very much a mystery so over time there have been like many different hypotheses some of which are like very much discredited now as to you know how the moon came to be like one of them that was like I think Charles Darwin's like son or grandson or something purported, or maybe other people I can't remember, was that um, the early Earth was like spinning so fast while it was molten that it like threw off you know a
2: piece of itself right,
1: and that became the moon. But why is it? We think that that's probably that's not really what happened. Oh, okay. Um, for technical reasons that I will not get into. Okay. One of my favorite phrases that I don't I don't use enough. <laughs> it gets you out of anything, for technical reasons um, for that technical I will not reason. get into. So thank you.
2: And I would like you t- to assume that I can <laughs> get into them perfectly.
1: I could explain that I'm, I'm just not. not wearing the right shoes. Um. So is that a good? Is that that's a I, bad, that's a bad sh- joke? Um, that's not a good joke. Okay. Cool. 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 Cool.
2: Cool. Cool. No doubt. No
1: doubt. No doubt, no doubt. So um, there are, though, a few of these hypotheses that have survived into the modern era. So one idea is that the moon was kind of like a free-floating body, right? Doing its own thing billions of years ago, uh, more than four and a half billion years ago. Wow. And that it was captured by the Earth's uh, gravitational pull. So that's that was kind of the most popular theory up until about the 1980s. Oh. So... Though, uh, or, or part of why it was so popular, right, is because we basically know that this is how some other moons, like some of the moons of Jupiter and Saturn, came to, to be around, you know, their planets, um, that they were captured. And the moon's size and the orbit of the moon, you know, and the fact that it's tidally locked, right, that it's always facing us the same way, there's a light side and a dark side of the moon. Which is weird. All of that kind of uh, fits in with the capture theory. But, um, it was never super clear, like, how the physics of the capture would have worked. Usually, when an encounter happens, right, between two, like, pretty, you know, large bodies that are, you know, roughly about the same size, uh, there's either a collision or the two bodies' orbits are just kind of altered, but they don't, they don't end up getting caught, right? That, that not that, like, apparently almost never happens. So It's, like, very, very unlikely in and of itself, Um, unless you're talking about, like, Jupiter, right, which captures, like, a shit ton of stuff all the time. Um, so, but, but the Earth is not that big, right? So, it was hypothesized that a large atmosphere around the early Earth could have slowed down a moon-sized object by this process called aerobraking, right? Which is sort of this, this way that you can go through an atmosphere where the, the forces aren't so much that it, like, tears you apart, right? The sheer forces, uh, but that that the forces are are enough that it slows you down and sort of brings you into if if you watch certain Star Trek: The Next Generation episodes, <laughs> you'll understand what I mean. So I would I would uh, go nerd go to del Star del Trek: Earth. The Next Generation for for more info. Whee, whee, nerd alert! Nerd alert! So uh, this process of arrow breaking also seems to have happened with some of the moons of Jupiter and Saturn. You know, because they're like gas giants.
2: Did Earth? Did Earth, like, used to have a bigger atmosphere, and you're saying that bigger atmosphere took in? An...
1: It's a hypothesis. Oh, okay, okay. Um, th- and one of the things that I'll, I'll talk about is that the, the nature of early Earth, of proto-Earth, is actually itself a mystery. Like, we have Ooh. some ideas, but we don't really know. And that kind of plays into some of this. So the real killer, though, for the capture hypothesis was that certain isotope ratios, basically, like, chemical... Signatures, quote unquote, so to speak, in in rocks, right, are like identical between the Earth and the Moon, and this is really hard to explain. That's weird. You know, if the Moon formed somewhere else, it's extremely unlikely that it would happen to have these same, you know, isotope ratios between like the the Moon rocks and the and the Earth rocks. So it's it, it this this theory seems to not be supported by evidence, really.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, the 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 capture hypothesis it, it, it really it's it's almost disproven at this point. Um at least there's really no evidence that suggests that it is true. So the opposite of the capture hypothesis is called the accretion hypothesis. So this holds that the Earth and the Moon were formulated at the same time out of two disks of accreting material. So the early solar system, right? You've got the the sun, and the sun is just pulling like all this stuff, right? But the stuff is also pulling each other. So it creates right. these like little eddies. You know, if 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 you look in a like a waterfall and there's like a big log sitting in the middle of the waterfall, right, you'll see a big swirl around the log. Oh. But you'll see these other swirls as well, as other stuff, you know, kind of gets affected. That was a good so, analogy. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, so this is essentially how planets typically get formed. There's an accretion disk that forms, and then materials kind of Coalesce uh, and, and and create this gravity well to where it creates like a planet. So that also could happen simultaneously with the moon. However, this hypothesis does not explain certain certain uh, things that we see right. Certain evidence that that's like just there in nature. So particularly, it does not explain the angular momentum in the Earth Moon system. The way that the two bodies move one against the other the
2: tides and stuff like that that's
1: exactly right and we typically think about this and and it the sort of the one of the more direct impacts it has on us and the earth is the tides for sure um and and maggie adarin pocock gets into this in the book in like a lot of detail but essentially the way that the angular momentum between the earth and the the moon happens well first of all it, it, it creates a different type of tides than would occur if it, if it weren't the case, right? If they were just, like, perfectly locked in together in this orbital right. pattern. Um, secondly, the moon is actually moving away from the Earth by about right. an inch a year, I think, which is really fast.
2: I was going to say.
1: Yeah, it's like a centimeter a year, inch a year. I can't really remember. Um, I know that's kind of a big difference or not. I don't know but it it and it has been ever since the beginning right so we know that the earth and the moon for example at the beginning were not tidally locked the earth was spinning much more quickly and the moon was spinning much more quickly and over time as uh, the and 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 the the analogy that Maggie addin Pocock uses which is which is I think a really good one too is uh, a, a spinning um, ice skaters okay. so if you've ever watched ice skating um. As the two skaters get closer closer to each other, they, they move faster. Oh, and even right. one skater, when, right. when they bring their arms in, right? Uh, and as they get further away, uh, there's more angular momentum, or less angular momentum. I'm not really sure. Whatever happens, happens to make them Science. slow down. Right? Science <laughs> happens. Physics. Physics, right? I don't understand it. Uh, Rip murray Gelman, by the way, famous um, quantum physicist who just died. Um, but anyway, this process goes through, right, to, to such an extent to where the moon's way out there and it's tidally locked instead of being spinning really fast and being much closer in. So, so we kind of know that about, about what happened. And the accretion uh, hypothesis would not explain that. Like, it would not be that way if the moon and the Earth had just formed together out of these two kind of, like, parallel disks of, of uh, uh, um, accreting material. And it also, the accretion hypothesis, also doesn't explain why the moon has a relatively small iron core. If the moon formed basically the same way the Earth did, you'd expect it to have a similarly sized iron core, but it's about half the size, of um, uh, uh, the the ratio of it to... The moon is about half of what the ratio of the Earth's iron core is to the Earth, if you understand. Yes. The 50% of the Earth about is an iron core. 25% about of the moon is an iron core. So that's not really explained by the accretion hypothesis. So the most popular hypothesis that, that we have now is called the giant impact hypothesis. And the, you know, it's, it's like a pretty popular idea. You may have heard about this, you know, the, um, this object, a purported object called Thea. That is supposed to have um, hit the early Earth um, early on, and um, basically that impact and the material that was, you know, jettisoned out from the early Earth is essentially what created the moon, and I'll get into a little bit more, more detail here.
2: So, you know, I don't know if you're about to answer this, but I know you talk about, like, celestial bodies, like, colliding. hmm How quick does that happen?
1: Yeah, no, that's Does a really it happen- good question. And, like, and the-
2: instantly, or is it like, like other sp- space stuff, which is w- really, really slow.
1: I guess it, I mean the idea of slow and fast. When you're talking astronomically, it, it sort of gets confused. Like, okay,
2: then put it in, you know, in if- terms of a day of like an Earth day.
1: I, I mean, I'm not sure, but what the, it, it's not really known. Like One of the mysteries is what would the speed of this purported impact have been. Oh. Some people think that it may have been about 4.5 kilometers per second. But, I mean, how fast is 4.5 kil- kilometers per second? But I mean, it's really fast. It's extremely fast, right? If you're going 4 kilometers per second in a car, that's not possible. That's essentially faster than we, you know, the, you'd break the land speed record many times over, right? Yeah. But if you're talking about, for example, the speed of light, it's, like, essentially standing still. It's nothing. So, again, like, the, the you sort of have to adjust your, uh, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say.
2: Space is confusing.
1: Yes. Just- but for, for an astronomical body, that would be about a medium speed. Is what it said. So, but no one knows. Oh, Other people think it might have been significantly faster than that. So, it's it's again, it's it's one of the big so mysteries. So many here. questions. Many questions. Embrace the mystery. Astronomical mysteries. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's posited that this purported astronomical body, rate, Thea, about the size of Mars, struck the early Earth about 4.5 billion years ago. B-b-b-b-b- billion years ago. This was only wow. <laughs> only about 20 to a hundred million years after the solar system began to form. So really, really early on. Oh. Um, and this is uh, you know this purported object. what the reason why it's called Thea is um, because that's the name of the Greek Titan who birthed Selene, the Greek goddess of the moon. So in oh. in, in Greek, you know Selene is the moon and Thea would be this, you know, sort of mother of the moon, right? And while uh you know the details of this are very still very much a mystery, uh there is a fair amount of evidence for the giant impact hypothesis more than the others for sure. And here's a list that I got from Wikipedia.
2: Wikipedia.
1: Thank you Wikipedia. And 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 there are sources for it in the in the page. Um, Earth's spin and the moon's orbit have similar orientations, Mm -hmm. which you would expect if it started right by this impact. Uh, Moon samples indicate that the moon's surface was once molten, which not too many other ways that could have happened other than a a large impact. The moon has a relatively small iron core we already talked about. The moon has a lower density than Earth. There is evidence in other star systems of similar collisions resulting in debris disks. Uh, Giant collisions are consistent with the leading theories of the formation of the solar system, and the stable isotope ratios of the lunar and terrestrial rock are essentially identical, implying some kind of common origin. And I'll talk about how that common origin may have come to be with the two objects. We'll, we'll, We'll tease that out a little bit here in just a minute. So let's talk about some things that remain a mystery. First, it's not known whether the possible impact was kind of a full-on, right, head-to-head kind of impact, or if it was more glancing, right? If it was more full-on, then it would result in a fuller mixture of the two bodies. Um, If it was more glancing, then it would leave a lot of Thea intact, and and Thea may have just, like, kept going with less material. Some computer simulations, and this is kind of what I was talking about earlier, suggest an impact angle of about 45 degrees, so kind of like, you know, com- coming together, you know, right at sort of a vortex, right? If you want to think about it, like two cars, right? A car coming down a road and then a road perpendicular running a stop sign or something and then yeah. hitting each other. Yeah. As opposed to like a head-to-head, head-on collision, okay, right? And that the impact uh, velocity may have been at or about or below four kilometers per second. The um, I, uh, oxygen isotope ratios of the lunar rocks, though, and we've kind of mentioned this a few times, right? And and some of these analyses were done pretty recently, and and like strengthened this idea of the the homogeneity of the isotope ratios, the sameness, like that that it seems like they came from the same material, suggest that a total mixing occurred between Theia and the Earth, so the the head-on impact. Um, version of the giant impact hypothesis seems to be more correct and that um, the likelihood that these you know, ratios would just happen to be the same, right is extremely low. So it, it seems like this is essentially how this probably happened with a head-on impact uh, that that created this fuller mixture. So that um, the impact uh, would have you know essentially turned thea and Earth into a thea earth mixture. Into a molten... Nah, 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 into You can't see my dancing. Can't see us dancing. I, I, I know, right? <laughs> Rose it's, dancing. It's, it's so, um, we're so cool. Into a molten liquid, right? That Just not Thea anymore, not Earth anymore. It's just one molten mass of Thea Earth material that would have been connected by, by, by this kind of vaporous atmosphere that would have uh, encouraged this sort of large-scale mixing between the two bodies. So- and this would have created a homogenized, you know, magma that would then have these homogenized isotope ratios that we find today.
2: So, that's the moon.
1: Well, the moon... Would have uh, been, you know, materials, and and I'll talk about that in, in just a second here. So, like the physics of it, I'll talk about it in just a second. So, for for this to have been possible, the mixing would have had to continue, uh, had to have continued for about a hundred years, and um, scientists are trying to kind of figure out whether this was kind of possible. So, th- this is something we might get more um, answers about in the in the near future. Uh, from the the kind of theoreticians, so anyway, the massive impact of thea would have mixed the core and most of the mantle of the two bodies. The cores would have been completely mixed, some of the mantle though would have been thrust out into space, and this is where the what you're asking before right where okay where's the moon in all of this right? Oh, okay. The moon would have come from mantle material that excuse me would um have had a sufficient velocities escape velocity to. You know, um, uh, exit the main, but you know, mass of of this material, right, and and get trapped in orbit around them, the the, the central material, right, the proto mixture now, and, and and of course some of this material would have gotten thrust out and and started orbiting the sun, but some of it would have had a median velocity between an orbital and an escape velocity, and that's the material that would have created the moon. Now, wow,
2: that's very how does someone <laughs> come up with that? Um How does one come to such you know, a conclusion? Th-
1: theorists and astronomers and you know, people who make models, it's a lot of people, thousands and thousands of people over a long period of time. Um it's it's not easy. You know, and and but but when you think about it, it's not that hard to understand either, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two relatively like, large I bodies hit each other. Th- this causes them to melt and they spin around real fast and some of the material comes off and creates the moon. Like it's, That's essentially what this is saying, right? In a, in simplistic, very, very simplistic terms. So, um, the uh, scientists, right, think that the material would have formed into the moon maybe as quickly as a month or maybe as much as a century, both that's of which pretty, are very, very short amounts of time. That's a pretty big gap. It's a pretty big gap, but if you're talking about astronomical time yeah it's it's, it's it's very very close in time and they're both exceedingly short computer simulations suggest that about 20 percent of the original mass of theia would have been ejected and stayed in orbit so the the moon as we know it now would have been about 20 percent of that right theia object that hit the, the proto-earth which itself was about the size of mars okay so, so uh, and again, this is all kind of worked out, you know, over long periods of time, mm-hmm. theory and, you know, what we see in reality.
2: Where did Thea go?
1: Well, that's the thing, right? We don't know if, if it was the full-on impact. If then Thea, Thea exists. Thea, if Thea even existed, then Thea would now become part of the Earth, right? It, it became part of the proto-Earth and part of the Moon. It just mixed in with the proto-Earth oh, material.
2: Oh, 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 so okay. So it, it didn't so really it go anywhere. It's still here. So it wasn't like a hit-and-run
1: that's what we think now there could have been that's what i mentioned earlier with whether it was a full-on blow or a glancing blow remember i said some of it could have kept going so we we don't know that may have also happened so there may also have been two moons at the beginning
2: i wish we had two moons you hear me say that all the time um
1: one would have been significantly smaller and you know how we talked earlier about how the moon started much closer in and then migrated out? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah, as yeah. the moon migrated out, the um smaller object would have got would have gotten accreted probably pretty slowly onto what we now uh uh know as the dark side of the moon. And we we essentially can see this um on the dark side of the moon the the crust is significantly thicker and there are fewer of these um um uh, I forget what they call them, but but the um, the crust is just... It's, it's much thicker on the other side, and, and it looks different. So we, we know, essentially, that something happened. And it may have been this smaller object that got slowly accreted onto that side.
2: The... Did we go to the dark side of the moon?
1: Um, that's a very good question, actually. The first man-made object to ever visit the dark side of the moon happened very recently. It was oh. the Chang'e 4... Um, uh, lander, well, maybe that's the, the it's it's a lander and a, and a rover that are um, part of one thing from the for the, the Chinese space agency. So, man actually just visited the dark side of the moon for the first time, like oh, a nice. few months ago. I'm
2: glad I said something.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, but the first pictures of the dark side of the moon was probably I think in the 70s or. I can't remember if it was before Apollo 11 or after. I, I, honestly, I can't remember. Anyway, um, there is a, a, a recent modification to the giant impact hypothesis called the terrestrial magma ocean hypothesis. Oh. And so um, this hypothesis posits that the early you know, proto-Earth at that time was covered by a worldwide magma ocean. And you remember I mentioned earlier, we don't really know what things were like back then. So this is kind of one idea. So when Thea struck this, you know, worldwide magma ocean, it would have heated that magma up, you know, much, much, uh, to, to, to a much larger extent than the relatively cool Thea material, which would have come in as solid, cool material. Thus, it would have, you know, created this large, you know, temperature disparity they would have ejected much more of the proto-Earth magma into orbit, um, therefore changing sort of the, the you know nature of that material. These, um, the simulations they did based on this hypothesis suggest that the moon would have been made about 80% from mostly proto-Earth material, as opposed to prior models that suggested that the moon came from about 80% thea, mainly Thea material. So this could help to explain some of this mystery of the isotope ratios, right? Maybe we just haven't looked in enough lunar rocks to find that Thea material because it's relatively rare as opposed to the early Earth material, which would, of course, have the same isotope ratios as the current Earth.
2: Then why, like, physically is the Moon so different?
1: I'm not sure which... What what do you mean? That's, like, a really big question.
2: Like... Like you said, they have the same. The Earth and the Moon have the same isotope ratios, mm-hmm. right? Does that mean anything? Does that have anything to do with how it like looks or
1: um, what exactly no, not really.
2: forms? Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, not not necessarily. I mean, a lot of the difference in the way that the Moon looks is because it doesn't have an atmosphere, so oh, okay. it gets right, impacted right, a lot right. more, you know? Got it. and of course, a lot of other re- re- reasons as well. Um, so. Just to kind of recap, we don't really know how our celestial buddy, the moon, came to be. What's that? <laughs> and we don't really know what Earth was like back then, you know, more than four billion years ago. But we can say with some certainty that the moon probably came from a large impactor. it seems pretty clear that that is what happened. Now, this is both because of the homogeneity, right, of the isotope ratios... And because it seems like the moon was molten at some point. Those are the two, to me, the two biggest um, pieces of evidence for, for, you know, this impact or uh, giant impact hypothesis. And of course, thankfully, scientists will be around for a long time, you know, pondering these things, finding out the origins and, and bringing that knowledge to mere mortals like us, you know, who, who are not scientists and don't really know what the hell they're talking about. But I like to dig into these things sometimes. Just, there's a lot more out there about this, of course, but I just wanted to give a little, you know, kind of primer on it. So,
2: Do you still want to go to the moon?
1: Of course. <sighs> who wouldn't want to go to space? I don't.
2: I do not want to go to space.
1: Oh my God. I, I, want, would to, I want to, to maybe, do it so much.
2: I would like to maybe virtual reality <laughs> space but that I don't want to cool. actually go See, outside the See, this is like, we're, we're, we're
1: very please. much the same in a lot of ways. But this is one of the ways we're very different. Like, I... I that is
2: you scary. Know. You'd be so high up. And then I feel like, and I think we talked about this before. That, like, astronauts have, like, this moment where they're like...
1: It's true. <laughs> that some people can't, like, psychologically handle it. I feel and like you don't that, know before you I feel you go, like that like, would be me. I would, uh, I
2: would like, freak out. I you know. never know. So, I have a... A murdery... Okay, we got a straight up cold case here for episode seventy four. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm talking about the bizarre murder or suicide of Jonathan Luna, which oh? is kind of funny because you just talked about the moon. Yeah, what, so. a,
1: what a weird coincidence, Jonathan
2: Luna. So he was born October twenty first, nineteen sixty five, and he grew up in the projects in the South Bronx in New York City. So he is described as generous and well-liked. He's energetic. He's selfless. Um, His father was Filipino and his mother was African-American. And they're all very hardworking. You know, like he beat the odds and graduated from Fordham University in 1987 um, with a degree in history. So he really he really pushed himself. And then he went on to law school and he eventually graduated from the University of North Carolina, with a law degree. Mm. So, you know, super successful. um, And he began working as a prosecutor in 1997, working in Greensboro, North Carolina. He worked as a clerk for US District Judge William L. Osteen. And it was there that he met his wife, Angela. So he moves on, and he starts working at the US Attorney's Office in Baltimore, Maryland, as Assistant United States Attorney. So, at this point, he's in Baltimore, Maryland. He moves in with his wife, Angela, just outside of Baltimore in a town called Elkridge. And they have two sons. So, before Jonathan's death, he was working on a plea bargain agreement for two defendants in a drug trial that he was prosecuting. So, this was a very violent... Drug trafficking organization. Okay, so he was prosecuting a Baltimore rapper named Dion Lionel Smith and his associate Walter O'Reilly Poindexter. Dexter. So the two of them were accused of running a heroin ring outside of their recording studio, which, if I recall correctly, was called like Stash House Studio or something. <laughs> Not even trying to hide. Not that. even trying to hide it. Um, they did. The defendants did plead guilty to three counts of drug trafficking and some other things. So, at about 5.30 a.m. on December 3rd, 2003, Jonathan Luna's body was discovered in a rural town called Denver, Pennsylvania in Brecknock Township. So his car was found parked behind a drilling company before being driven into the creek. His body was found um, by an employee named Daniel Gammon, and he, okay, so he was found face down in a stream underneath the car, which was still running. He had been wearing a suit and a black overcoat with his ID around his neck. Blood was found on the driver's side, and a pool of blood was found on the passenger side floor, and there was also blood in the back seat. Luna had been stabbed thirty-six times. Yeah, the coroner states that there were no defensive wounds. The wounds were around the chest and the neck, and a head injury was also found. Hmm. There was money scattered throughout the car. Um, there was also a blood-stained toll booth ticket, which is odd because Luna had Easy Pass. Hmm. And for those who don't know, the Easy Pass is like a little plastic thing, maybe four inches long that you like tape to the top of your car and, top of your windshield and as you go through the tolls instead of stopping and physically handing someone money it just automatically takes it out Um, so he didn't really need a blood um a toll boot ticket in the first place two months later the murder weapon was found Luna's pen knife and we don't really know why it was found two months later or what that whole deal was it's, there's a lot of there's a lot of unanswered questions here. And there's a lot of, like, um, things the FBI, things federal agents said and things the locals say, you mm-hmm. know. So, Dr. Barry, let's get into the the investigation. Dr. Barry Walp, the forensic pathologist, he said that Luna died by drowning. Despite this, anonymous federal sources told reporters in Washington, D.C. and in Baltimore that it had been suicide. And this caught on a little bit. Um, they argued that, like, some of the wounds were shallow and called them, quote, hesitation wounds, which I guess is, I guess, wait, wait I guess is legitimately, like, a thing, but it's not, like, on your chest and your neck. It's, like, maybe on your wrist.
1: But 36 times?
2: Exactly. Yeah. I don't believe that. Right. That
1: seems in- incredible in the sense that it's not credible.
2: <laughs> So the new coroner who took over after Barry Walp, uh, Barry Walp retired at the end of 2003. So he was found in the beginning of December. A Mm. month later, the coroner retires and Dr. G. Gary Kirchner um, takes over. And he believes that the autopsy report was right and that it was homicide. And he also talks about that he was approached by FBI agents to change the ruling. But he declined. He was like, no. He wrote he even wrote a letter to them. So he was like, Okay, well, like if you guys wanna do this, he writes a letter to them asking about a coroner's inquest. And he's like, Okay, you can present open court testimony on why Mm -hmm. you think Jonathan's death was a suicide. Right? But there was never an inquest works. There was never a response. Mm. Um, investigators also look into the prosecution case that Luna was dealing with at the time. So the defendants, Smith and Poindexter, were in jail at the time of the murder and they reached a plea deal. So the, there wasn't really much motive there. Mm. Like during um during the initial hearing, but they like took a lunch break and uh, Jonathan went over there and was like, All right, here's a plea deal and they accepted it. So it wasn't like a fight or anything. Mm. They looked over his financial records and his computer files. Unnamed federal sources have told the Washington Post and the Baltimore Sun that Luna was actually facing a polygraph test connected to the disappearance of $36,000 from a bank robbery case Mm. that he had prosecuted back in 2002. Um, Coincidentally, the sources also said that Luna, quote, came into $10,000 soon before he died. So there's a little bit of question. Maybe there was some kind of motive there. Maybe he was stealing money. Maybe he wasn't. Um, they also revealed that he had twenty-five thousand dollars in credit card debt that his wife didn't even know about. He had oh. at at one point like sixteen credit cards open at the same time. Oh my God! Yeah, talk about stress, yeah. right? Um. His name was found on adult websites seeking women for sexual encounters. Some sources say that uh, where Luna's body was found was like a common place for people to like meet up and hook up. But local authorities were like, that's not true. That's not a thing. Hmm. Um, So as they investigate, they find that Jonathan was also taking frequent trips to Philadelphia in the past few weeks. His father even talked about how he canceled a Thanksgiving trip Uh, to New York City because he had to work a case in Philadelphia. Officials say that doesn't make sense because he didn't have any work in Philadelphia, but other people who were, like, working on the case with him said, well, the key witness is locked up in Philadelphia. So Hmm. if he's going to Philadelphia, it's because he's going there to interview the key witness. So let's, let's go through, like, a timeline of his last hours. So... This is December... um, I think it's December 2nd. And then it goes on to December 3rd. So, he leaves the office at 6pm to go home. But he comes back a few hours later to draw up the plea agreements. Finish up some paperwork. Around 10.30, he calls the defense attorneys and says that he's going to fax over plea agreements by midnight. But that fax never came. He... This is also odd. He leaves his cell phone and glasses on the desk, which his friends... His friends say that he needed his glasses to to drive, even. Um, His car uh, was clocked leaving the courthouse parking garage at 11.38 p.m. And so we know his approximate whereabouts because of the tolls. So... He passes through three toll plazas before ex- before taking exit three on I ninety five, which lands him in Newark, Delaware. And there, uh, at this stop, there is a two hundred dollar withdrawal from the gas station ATM at Travel Plaza at twelve fifty seven a.m. And they're not even sure if that's Jonathan or not because the camera footage was unclear. Mm. And then money is taken out again, and the cameras footage the camera footage for that was also unclear, which is. I don't know what that says. Um, This is where we have a gap in time. So about from 1257 a.m. he withdraws the $200. um, And we know that at about 237 a.m. his car entered the New Jersey Turnpike from Route route 130, which is usually a 45-minute trip, but about an hour and a half has passed. So he crosses the Delaware River Bridge, enters the Pennsylvania Turnpike about 10 minutes later. At 3.20 a.m., his card is used at another gas station. He exits again at 4.04 a.m. with a paper ticket. And that's the one that was later found in the car with bloodstains. According to the coroner, Luna was alive when his car pulled up to the creek, and he isn't found dead until 5.30 a.m. He doesn't show up for court the next morning at nine thirty, but they went on with the plea agreements anyway, which I, get, which is unusual. Um, sometime after nine thirty, his credit card is used again at a shopping mall in Pennsylvania. Hmm. Yeah, even though his body had already been found. So, theories. The main theory, obviously, is murder. You know, homicide. But why we don't really have a motive because, you know, Jonathan was one of those classic like all around good people, worked really hard for what he had. Um, So was there some corruption going on within the attorney's office? Maybe, maybe not. Did did all this have something to do with the case that he was prosecuting? Like the key witness um, was also like an FBI informant, I guess. And. Like, at one point, he, like, took off his ankle bracelet and ran. And so, like, he was, like, a kind of a dangerous character. Um, so, and maybe he got in trouble with someone in the heroin trade. And officials looked at previous cases that he was on, like, stuff that he already, like, closed. But they never found any promising leads. Like, he's done a lot of drug trafficking. And, like, he's definitely met his, like, fair share of dangers. He's done a lot
1: well. of drug, drug trafficking in the sense that he's... Defended a lot of drug traffickers. Right, 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 Okay, sorry. I just want to make sure that was clear. Yes, thank you. (laughs)
2: Um, And he's, you know, he's come across plenty of, like, pretty dangerous people, but they didn't really find anything.
1: Um, Nothing specific.
2: Nothing specific. Or suicide. I mean, I don't really want to entertain the idea. Um, Seems
1: pretty far-fetched.
2: I know. And, I mean, I guess you could say he Mm. was in so much debt, like, he felt like he was, he somebody did say that he felt like he was going to get fired, but his coworkers deny that. That that's what that's not true. Um, note that we don't know how the killer got away. Maybe there were two cars. Um, so there's still like a lot of a lot of questions here. You know, like why why do the federal agents think that Luna killed himself? Like why didn't they? It doesn't make sense for them to look at something so obvious no. and say it's a suicide. Well. What's going on there?
1: What are they trying to hide?
2: Right. Right. There was also a lot of um, suggestions of, of racism and prejudice. and That could be a factor too, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, Baltimore is uh, a, a, um, historically a very racist town. Yes,
2: yes. Um, why was there an hour and a half time gap? What happened during that time? Was his easy used? Why was his easy pass used on Inter- Interstate 95 into Delaware, but not on the New Jersey and Pennsylvania turnpikes? Um, why didn't he finish the plea agreement that night? Was he interrupted? So to me, it seems like somebody picked him up at his office, like held a gun to his head and told him to drive. You know, that's what it seems like to me. I agree. Um, until one point, they killed him and they dropped him off. We have no idea who or no idea why. The Part FBI of is offering a hundred thousand dollar reward for any information leading to the resolution of the investigation. Got anything? What? Know anybody?
1: Oh, uh, no, no. Sorry, I've never heard of this case before.
2: Wild, right?
1: It is pretty crazy, but I I agree that it, uh, it's uh, that's what it seems like happened. You know, sometime after eleven thirty eight or whatever around that time, he was uh, abducted, essentially. Right. You know,
2: and they found blood stains in the back seat.
1: Yeah, so, so t- maybe he was even, you know, bludgeoned at that time and and he was just, like, taken out to his car, killed somewhere else, and then taken to that site, you know, but- the, Maybe
2: that's what that hour and a half gap is. The
1: one thing that does not seem to, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like suicide. Mm-mm. I
2: don't
1: know. But it's a good, good good mystery. There's uh, a lot of mystery there.
2: Okay,
1: Okay, so we're going to do Is a little bit. time to move little, on? A little bit, little bit. For weird, weird shit. shit in,
2: in the, the news. news. I don't know why I'm saying it so slow. In
1: the
2: news. Okay, I don't have one, but you said you had a good one.
1: I Well, I yeah, I meant to do this one last week because so it's a little bit old, but um, yeah. So um, we know we all know Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Yes. Arnold and so, bad. right. So, you know, if you know anything about Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's a, a big, muscly man, 71 years old at this time. And he was recently at, oh, and this is a uh, BBC News article um, about this, but there, there's like a bunch of them out there.
2: You're watching so, the BBC. So,
1: so uh, he was at his event recently called Arnold Classic Africa, which is a sporting event he, he I guess, hosts every year. And this guy thought he was going to be a big badass guy and he goes up and he decides he's gonna kick mr arnold schwarzenegger right so he comes at him comes at arnold with a flying kick and this guy thought he was gonna be you know whatever he was he was gonna take down arnold he did not
2: surprise attack
1: he did not take down arnold with his surprise attack arnold schwarzenegger didn't even realize he had been kicked he thought he had been jostled by the crowd, <laughs> and uh, literally did not was not aware that something like this had happened until he watched the video of it, <sighs> which you can go and, and watch. It's it, it's the, But Arnold says if you watch a video, you know just keep you know keep in mind it's not about the attacker, it's about the people competing at his event. You know yes. he's trying to put that yes. all back onto them. You know because that's that's what it's about. But it was just a pretty funny you know kind of story. But look, you, you think you're, you really think you're gonna comment Arnold Schwarzenegger? It's like I don't care that he's 71 years old, he'd kick your ass.
2: It's like when a puppy, like, <laughs> bites at your ankles. No,
1: it's like when a puppy r- runs at a, uh, runs at a car. <laughs> yeah, that's a
2: better... You have no chance! <sighs>
1: so anyway, that's, that's what I got. So, uh, thanks for listening, you guys. Yay. 74 weeks, going hey, strong. Hey, hey, hey. Um, We want to keep making this better You know doing more more research Getting more into stuff Bringing you guys the you know interesting diverse stories, yes. You know with with that you know hum, We're humanistic We're... you know angle that we try to do. We're trying so to step our game up. You got any ways to make it better? Suggestions. Review um, us on iTunes. We, we re- recently got a, an email. Uh, a very nice lady said she you know maybe she would send us her ghost story. If you have a ghost story, if you got a mystery, if you have any
2: stories, send it send to them us. Our, so, so, you know, What's uh, our email? Uh, MysteryMurderyThingy mystery thingy at, g- so mystery at gmail dot com.
1: MysteryMurderyThingy at gmail well, us on
2: twitter facebook
1: mario text 30 is my twitter um i i I try to tweet helpful interesting stuff Uh, apparently they're going to change the way that pork is being don't buy pork i that's one thing i would suggest apparently they're changing the way it's going to be inspected look it up look it up okay thanks guys